0: Bye.
1: Welcome everyone to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I'm once again joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the great Nathan Yonke. Nate, I usually reference the past week's worth of games as being like wild or fun or great or whatever positive adject- adjective I feel best suits the week. But not this week, not for me, at least after the injury, Grim Reaper once again took aim at our beloved fantasy assets, continuing to rob us at the quarterback position, as well as some other key players on both sides of the ball. So I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of hate it this week. But uh, how are you? It felt like this
0: week in particular as well. So many players getting hurt on like the first or second drive of the game, like injuries happen and they're bad, but plenty of times it doesn't hurt fantasy too much. If it happens in the third or fourth quarter, but Mark Andrews on Thursday in the first drive, uh, Devin A-chain after three or a after three plays on offense. So players that you're starting and excited about, and then they get you basically nothing.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was a rough week. Uh, Yeah, Kenneth Walker went down before really doing anything. Cooper Cup as well. Like it was just Mm. it was really bad. Joey Bosa for those people that play in IDP got hurt really early as well. But yeah, just uh, just a brutal week. But you know, fantasy football it's it's a war of attrition, especially as we reach uh, this point of the year. So much depends on you know who could stay healthy and put the most optimal lineup together. So hopefully we can get you guys um, the information you're looking for in that regard, and uh, we'll start. Each week with this recap pod where we go over some of the top fantasy takeaways from the past week's games and look at some of the changes or developments for our fantasy football assets and again we're not necessarily going um, game by game here nate has all the game uh single game recaps up on pff.com for free right now so we're just going to focus on on some of the top takeaways uh and if you need anything that uh, that we didn't cover today nate has it covered on the website as well so Uh, Yeah, before we get into it, uh, let's give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist and the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to cover it in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy, M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Nate, let's rock and roll. And while the injury Grim Reaper has robbed us, robbed us of some of our key fantasy assets again this week, we did at least get a couple back uh, um, starting in Chicago here with Justin Fields returning, um, which also brought the return of DJ Moore's fantasy value. And we got Khalil Herbert back from injured reserve after uh, he missed the last five games on IR. So, Nate, with Khalil Herbert's return, what did the Bears backfield look like this week?
0: Uh, the Bears' backfield basically looked like how we feared it could look at the start of the season. Um, they did ease Herbert into action a little bit to start the game. Foreman was the starter, played eight of the first ten snaps on their first drive. So Foreman still was the lead back, but he and uh, Foreman and Herbert kind of split time on early downs over the first half of the game. Uh Foreman took 16 snaps total in the first half. Herbert took 12. Uh, Roshan Johnson kind of relegated to that passing down back. Played nine snaps in the first half. Uh, A lot of those on third downs or second and long or those kind of clear passing situations. Uh, Then Foreman started the second half. And on the second play, um, even though we're talking about someone coming back, we can't get away from the injuries because Foreman (laughs) injured his ankle on the second play of the quarter. Um, did not return for the game, so Herbert ended up taking 20 snaps over the rest of the game compared to Roshan Johnson, who took 16. Again, Johnson, more of the passing down back, but that allowed Johnson to get a little bit more work on early downs, uh, started to look a bit more like what we were seeing in the first couple weeks of the season where Foreman was a healthy and active. So I think this backfield... Uh, more or less, what how it, we expected it to. Foreman also got the goal line work in the first half, so that was noteworthy. Um, I think at Foreman's, I haven't seen any updates on Foreman's injury, so I'm not sure uh, the extent of it at this point. If Foreman does come back, um, I expect this to continue to be a three-man backfield, probably a fairly even split between the three, since even though Herbert got all that work in the second half. uh, And Foreman didn't get any work in the second half. I'd expect Foreman to see more work in the second half than usual, but I also expect Herbert to kind of ramp up his playing time compared to what he had in the first half of this game. So could see a pretty even split, potentially dependent on the game script. If it's Chicago down by a lot, then we'll see more Roshan Johnson. If the Bears end up with the lead, we'll see more Foreman and Herbert. Uh, The Bears don't have the greatest schedule for running backs either, so in a lot of leagues, this is probably just going to be a backfield to avoid going forward since three men committees in general aren't great for fantasy purposes, especially in offenses that aren't super high scoring, so probably something to avoid, but Herbert could have value, Foreman could have value, just depending on who's healthy, and Johnson is probably someone that I'd be fine dropping, even though we were advocating To pick him up early in the season, just because he played well those first couple weeks really hasn't done much or been given a ton of opportunities since then and not expecting him to get many more opportunities here on out.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. And then, I mean, obviously the big thing, yeah, is Foreman's injury kind of monitoring to see what that. Um, looks like but like you, you had talked about last week right Foreman's he's earned himself playing time after being a healthy scratch previously when Herbert was in the lineup he um, you know he's going to get mixed in there and if he's healthy this feels like it's going to be yeah, like you said kind of a messy committee here it doesn't feel like necessarily this is maybe them uh, easing Khalil Herbert back into the lineup or anything like that. Like Foreman has kind of earned those touches as well. So um, we'll see how things go uh, going forward. And um, yeah, if, if Foreman is healthy as well, but uh, definitely one to monitor there. Um, all right. So from uh, one backfield trio to another here the Buffalo Bills roll out the combination of James Cook Latavius Murray and no not Leonard Fournette who was recently signed there but Ty Johnson uh, gets in some work Uh, Nate the Bills did blow out the Jets so we got some garbage time in there but still important usage to kind of keep an eye on here what did the Bills give us with their running backs uh, this week
0: so we started the season with a three-man committee with Damien Harris as the third guy, but uh, he's landed on injured reserve. He is eligible to return at this point, but we really haven't heard an update since that first day when uh, he had to go to the hospital uh, during the game. And we heard that uh, things were positive after that first day. The worst scenarios were ruled out, but we have no idea when he might return to football. Uh, since then, we've largely seen a two-man committee between James Cook and Latavius Murray. Uh, saw Cook's playing time decreased significantly last week when he was benched for roughly a quarter of the game after fumbling the ball um so luckily he was back to being the starter in this game but we did see ty johnson get involved um it was a little bit uh spread out throughout the game and then the two minute drill to end the first half uh he was in for that entire drive So we saw a lot of Ty Johnson at that point. We had seen James Cook or Latavius Murray. Some games it's Ben Cook. Other games it's Ben Murray taking those two-minute drill snaps. Hasn't really been consistent from one week to another. And then Johnson at the end of the game at the blowout when they uh, started putting in some backups, Johnson also took a couple of snaps there. So not a huge three-man committee, but it was enough playing time to cut into uh, both James Cook and Latavius Murray's playing time. And like you had mentioned, Leonard Fournette is on the practice squad. Uh, we did get an update on Friday from the head coach that um, he's been learning the playbook. He's been a positive addition to the team. He's getting closer to being activated. And it seems like they've just been taking their time and like letting Fournette kind of be a boost to the team late in the season. So included him as someone to potentially consider off the waiver wire this week but I think this is kind of opening the door to there being a three-man committee again in Buffalo, which will probably hurt Cook and Murray's uh, playing time and fantasy value. Um, so probably not Cook probably isn't a must-start every week going forward, but and teams where I think Buffalo should blow out the opponent, Cook can definitely remain in starting lineups. It's also worth noting he did get goal line work in this game. So that was a positive for Cook, but It'll just be dependent on the matchup if it's a close game. if the bills might be behind in the game, I might be more reluctant to have Cook in my starting lineup Gotcha.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Like you said, it was nice to at least see them ride James Cook a little bit more and in like a favorable game script um, for for running back. So um, that was a positive. Also good to see him kind of pop in a touchdown there as well. It was a receiving touchdown, I believe, but um, still obviously a good thing. And like you said, the goal line carries there do help. But yeah, they don't like the 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 shared splits here between the the three running backs and Leonard Fournette potentially uh, mixing in there down the road as well. Um, all right. Another running back situation uh, we've been kind of monitoring really all season in, in Carolina between Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard. Um, we saw Hubbard slowly start getting more work while Sanders Sanders was in the lineup early in the year. Then Sanders got hurt and we've seen Hubbard kind of remain in control over those snaps while Sanders slowly got more involved uh, each of the past few weeks. So what did things look like for the two Panthers backs uh, this week, Nate?
0: uh we continue to see sanders kind of work his way back into the rotation more um has seen significant growths in his playing time each of the past couple weeks now it was closer to a 50 50 split split uh hubbard ran the ball 10 times for 57 yards caught two passes where sanders ran the ball 11 times for 50 yards and caught a two-yard pass so pretty clear split it was a fairly even in every situation they both saw significant time on third downs early downs a short-yarded situations. So it was pretty clear that no, neither of these running backs have a clear lead in any specific situation. I think it'll kind of be whoever has the hot hand going forward. If Sanders starts outperforming Hubbard, then Sanders will start getting more playing time. If Hubbard outperforms Sanders, then he'll earn more of his playing time back. If one of them does better as a rusher or receiver, we might see more playing time in a specific situation. I think kind of any of those options are available to the Panthers, and it's, again, one where the Panthers have one of the worst schedules for running backs over the rest of the season. Uh, they're not going to be ahead in many games where they're running a lot in the second half to run out the clock, so it's probably not the best situation for fantasy managers since we don't know in one of these running backs will get the hot hand which one we want to start so i wouldn't be surprised if the two are fairly close together in my rankings for this upcoming week and future weeks so probably a kind of situation to avoid unless you're in one of those deeper leagues in which you can probably take a chance on either player and either one could have a huge week or either one could get two or three carries and a catch or two and not getting many fantasy points at all
1: Yeah, not not ideal. Um, I guess the good thing with Sanders, like he he had been below 35 percent of the team's carries since week five, really Um, takes this takes the lead this week with that 50 percent Hubbard at 45 percent. And both of the guys at least were efficient, right? Hubbard, 5.7 yards per carry, Sanders, four and a half, you know, but and getting strong, like those strong rushing averages against the Cowboys defense maybe gives like a little hope, I guess, for for if one of them does get the majority of the carries uh, in this tougher schedule here. Not much optimism because it's a committee and the Panthers offense is what it is and the schedule, like you said. But, it, you know, it's something at least. That's my my little bit of optimism for the morning here. Um, but, yeah, let's let's go to another running back duo who have been interesting lately. And that is in Cleveland between Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt. Uh, Nate, what did the Browns give us with their running backs this week?
0: Uh, this one was a little surprising and confusing what they did with their running backs. Uh, this top 10 takeaways and large part is you are the 10 things that I found most interesting or confusing or was not expecting. And the Browns were even more unexpected than usual. We had seen Ford kind of clearly ahead of Hunt the past two weeks when both running backs were healthy. So that seemed to be the case of what we would see going forward. But we saw a lot of trends reversed for this game, saw trends that we had seen years ago. Go in the Browns' backfield kind of return. Um, we had Hunt out snap Ford in early downs, which was surprising. We saw Ford take the goal line work, which was surprising. Uh, Ford was pretty consistently playing in the two-minute drills before this game, and the two kind of split snaps in those situations. A big thing being. Um, Kareem Hunt took 15 of 16 snaps in the fourth quarter, which I don't think this was an injury to Ford. I'm not 100% on that, but we did see Ford take a snap kind of in the middle of the quarter where if it was an injury, I would have expected Ford to play a snap early in the quarter and then not play again but we had seen this uh, a lot when uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were the two running backs in the backfield, where Chubb would play on early downs in the first three quarters, and then Hunt would play on third downs, but then also be relatively fresh for the fourth quarter. So then Hunt would play significantly in the fourth quarter. So for me, it was kind of reminiscent of that kind of split in the backfield. So uh, both players ended up with 12 carries for 30 to 40 yards. Uh, Both had a few receptions for single-digit yards. So fairly similar in terms of fantasy production, Um, had expected Ford to have uh, better yards and attempts and uh, receiving production in general with Hunt being the one scoring touchdowns, but it was an even split and Ford was the one to score a touchdown. So don't really know how the Browns will continue to use their backfield going forward. Uh, Most backfields seem pretty straightforward, but this is one of the more confusing ones of how they're going to use the running backs in the future
1: yeah this is yeah the even split was was definitely um surprising but even like i mean i i think this team is gonna try to run the ball more in, in the weeks ahead without deshaun watson too right you got this kind of unproven rookie at quarterback and i know they brought in joe flacco so we'll see what happens there but th- their bread and butter has really been the, the run game really even without nick chubb so we'll, we'll see if the browns team or at least their offense is um you know able to be for real and and continue to provide some fantasy value for us or, or get up to that point but yeah, I, I think there could be value for both guys, especially if it does remain even. But I, I would expect them to to continue being like a more run heavy offense here in the weeks ahead. We'll see what happens there. Um, all right, Nate, let's look at uh, one more backfield here. And we got a bit of a change here in Los Angeles with the Rams giving Royce Freeman a, a shot at more playing time and touches here in week 10. Even though it was Daryl Henderson who punched in a one yard touchdown, uh, we saw a lot more Freeman this week, Nate.
0: Uh, Yeah, we did, but it actually wasn't that big of a change in how they use their running backs this week. Uh, Freeman did run the ball 17 times for 73 yards. Henderson six times for one yard and that touchdown. Um, Henderson was more involved in the passing game, caught four passes for 28 yards. So Henderson was still the one to end up with more fantasy points, but Freeman had a lot more playing time. But this wasn't necessarily a change in how they use their running backs. Uh, Henderson took the snaps on the first drive, Freeman did on the second drive. It continued to mostly be a rotation by drive throughout the game, which had been pretty consistent with how they've used the running backs the past few weeks. It just happened to be that the drives that Freeman was on the field, uh, he, they, Rams ended up with longer drives, so that ended up with more playing time for Freeman. Um, Freeman also ended up running the ball more when he was on the field which might have been just a result of Henderson not accomplishing much on his rushing attempts but this was not a change in how the rotation was happening they didn't really change it throughout it just long drives for Freeman so after these two Rams running backs continue to be the top two next week I would not be surprised if Henderson continues to start and Henderson Potentially outperforms uh, Freeman if it's back to more of a 50-50 split But there's also a chance that these are not the top two running backs next week Um, both Kyron Williams and Ronnie Rivers who was the backup to start the season Both of them are eligible to return off of injured reserve On uh, no guarantee that either of them will be back for the upcoming game. There's a chance one of them is back There's a chance someone's eased into a- action so we could see some kind of weird three-man rotation at running back. We could even see four men. Probably one of them would be inactive. And I don't know if Henderson will even be on the roster once everyone is healthy again or if he's played well enough to keep a roster spot. I also haven't really heard anything about if Ronnie Rivers will be coming back this season. It sounded like the plan is for Williams to come back, but Rivers hasn't really been talked about too much since he was a backup running back who wasn't really seeing any playing time. So not too surprising that he's not talked about as much. So don't really know what the plan is with him, but we could see plenty of different things in Los Angeles. I just would not be Jumping on the fact that Freeman ran the ball so much that this means Freeman will be heavily involved in the offense going forward. I think it just happened to be um, how the Rams drives ended up this week.
1: Makes sense. And yeah, hopefully Kyron Williams comes back soon. Hopefully next week we'll see. But yeah, he was he was really the only Rams, I think, running back that we felt truly comfortable starting in fantasy lineups uh so far this season, considering his strong usage in the, the first month and a half of the season. Um we, we just kind of have to hope that McVeigh and company go back to that and we don't end up with another messy rotation to deal with here in fantasy land. So um yeah, let's head to a uh quick ad break here from our friends at DraftKings. Who are the pretenders and who are the contenders with more than we're more than halfway through the NFL season. But DraftKings Sportsbook is still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers can bet just five bucks on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this November. All right, Nate, we got a couple picks here for Monday Night Football. And I'm going to go with... Rashi Rice over 43 and a half receiving yards. Um, the Eagles have allowed just over 1,800 receiving yards to the wide receiver position this season, which is which was third most in the league coming into this week. Um, Rice is seeing over 50% route participation in the last four games. He's cleared 43 and a half, uh, receiving yards in three of those four games as his role kind of continues to grow here. So I like Rashi Rice's potential to get that over this week.
0: I like it. I think this will hopefully be a high-scoring game because I also have been over, I'm going with A.J. Brown, over 6.5 receptions. Uh, Brown has fairly consistently been hitting that over the past month or so, and for most of the season, he's been over 6.5 receptions. Um, With Dallas Goddard out of the lineup, I think uh, that means they'll rely even more on the wide receivers than usual, uh, based in Kansas city. I think they'll need to be even more reliant on the passing game than usual. And then also the chiefs are one of the teams that uses man defense more than most teams still only about 40% of the time, but that's still good for about sixth most in terms of defenses. And AJ Brown has been very dominant against man defenses has a target rate, uh, around 38 39 percent when facing man defenses which is a huge target rate um that means more yards per run more production in general going up against man i know kansas city in general Uh, does decently well at shutting down some of the top wide receivers, but guys like Christian Kirk, uh, Garrett Wilson, Tyree Kill, all guys who had eight or more receptions against Kansas City's defense so far this season. So I think Brown, with how well he's been playing and how much they'll need him to play well, even if they kind of shut down some of the deeper passes, I'm more comfortable taking the over-on receptions because it might be some shorter receptions where they're just trying to get him the ball, and I think they'll be able to do it. So i have brown over 6.5 receptions
1: love it yeah and aj brown our highest graded uh receiver against man coverage as well this season uh with a 92.9 so you love that matchup um but yeah get in on the football action with DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl download the app now and use code pff new customers can bet just five dollars on anything to get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings sportsbook with code pff the crown is yours Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call eight seven seven eight hope ny or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restriction terms and responsible gaming resources. Okay, let's talk some wide receivers and start with one where I feel like we've been waiting forever to see. And that has been the rising snap share of Jameson Williams, who has lived in that like sub 50% of snap zone um, for, for most of his career. But we finally have seen some progress here, Nate.
0: Uh, yeah it's been some pretty clear progress every week for a while now uh he returned from his suspension in week five and saw plenty of playing time but that was a game where detroit had multiple injuries at wide receiver um amon ross st brown didn't play in that game josh reynolds was only playing on a limited basis um once the wide receivers were healthy again his Playing time dropped back down under 25%, similar to what he was seeing last season. So at that point, wasn't paying too much attention to him anymore, given his low amount of playing time. But it has slowly but surely increased since then. Uh, Marvin Jones retired in Week 7, so that uh, was one boost to his playing time, but he was still kind of in a three-man rotation. Uh, That eventually became a two-man rotation between him and Cleef Brayman for that third wide receiver spot. Um, earlier in the season he was playing more in two wide receiver sets as uh, two wide receiver snaps have kind of dropped down but he has slowly but surely gained more playing time in three wide receiver sets which is kind of what you would expect out of a potential third wide receiver um, it had been kind of split with Cleve raymond now in recent weeks he's kind of been pulling away from Cleve raymond and three wide receiver sets uh, played 45 or not 45, 35 of a possible 43 snaps and 11 personnel this past week, which accounted for his boost. It wouldn't be surprising if he continues to see his playing time rise, especially because Josh Reynolds, someone who did really well early in the season. Uh, He's been pretty consistently held under 20 receiving yards these past few weeks. So it wouldn't be too surprising for me to see Williams uh, start to overpass Reynolds at some point here as well. Uh, Williams also caught a touchdown in this game, which was good to see. Um, Still not at a point where I'm putting him anywhere close to a fantasy starting lineup, but someone that I'm more considering having on my roster now, especially now that we are three fourths of the way through with bye weeks. There are no bye weeks this upcoming week. Uh, much more comfortable dropping players that don't have that high of upside that I'm never going to start again, uh, whether it's a backup quarterback or tight end on my roster who I'm not going to be starting again or just a running back or wide receiver that's a veteran we know what they can do where Williams has that upside that potentially he becomes a full time starter for Detroit down the stretch and starts being a lot more involved in the offense so I'd rather have someone like Williams on my roster and with this pretty consistent rise in playing time over the past month or so um, I think it's exciting to see what he can, can do going forward
1: Yeah, very exciting. Like you said, he had the two catches, 44 yards and a touchdown in in there, 40 offensive snaps. Josh Reynolds had 45, just just two fewer routes for for Jamison Williams. So nice to see him kind of getting more involved. And yeah, maybe that McFlurry on his Big Mac diet is working here. I don't know if you saw that. (laughs) Somebody had sent it to me as like a a trade tactic to try to get me to trade him because it was so gross. But uh, look, I I don't care how disgusting it is. If it means more Jamison Williams on a weekly basis, then I might uh, start ordering that at Frankenstein's monster-like creation to support this trend here um all right (laughs) another one that it feels like we've been waiting forever for Nate Zay Jones is finally back in the lineup uh which naturally meant that the green light for Calvin Ridley to have his best game of the year also turned on so Nate how did this Jaguars wide receiver core shake out with Zay Jones back in the lineup for the first time since week five
0: I went largely as expected. He wasn't really restricted in 11 personnel snaps, uh, was the third wide receiver and three wide receiver sets as expected, uh, playing on the outside opposite Ridley with Kirk playing in the slot, uh, basically how things were planned. Um, The big thing was in 12 personnel, which was something we talked about a bit in the preseason and early in the season uh, when Jones was playing ahead of Kirk in the preseason and uh 12 personnel and that carried on a little bit at the start of the season but then after jones suffered his injury even when he came back for that week kirk was playing more in 12 personnel and that kind of continued in this game with kirk taking i believe it was 10 of 14 snaps in 12 personnel where jones only played five so still a little bit of a reduction in snaps for kirk compared to usual but jones um Part of the reason he played so many snaps, though, was Jamal Agnew is now on injury reserve. He was kind of Jones' replacement all this time, so Jacksonville kind of needed that new third wide receiver with Agnew out. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jones starts to play a little bit more going forward, but like you said, it was Ridley who had the big game and Ridley was playing well early in the season when Jones was in the lineup. So maybe this is something where the defenses have to focus a little bit more on the third wide receiver than they had been in past games and focus a little bit less on Ridley. So good to see out of Ridley, but I think it's possible that any one of these three Jacksonville wide receivers could have a big game any given week.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and yeah, like you said, uh, all of Calvin Ridley's best games this season, week one, week five, and now week 11 have all come with uh, Zay Jones in the lineup. So maybe there is something to it. We'll only see it, uh, in the weeks ahead if Zay Jones stays healthy, but uh, maybe, maybe he's Calvin Ridley's lucky charm. We'll have to wait and see. Um, all right. How about these Arizona Cardinals who gave the Texans a hard time with Kyler Murray back at the helm for the second straight game? Uh, and they did so with some help from an old friend from last season, and that is Greg Dort who led the team in targets, receptions, and receiving yards. Nate, how did we get here with Greg Dorch this week?
0: Uh, It took a couple injuries for us to get here. Uh, Zach Pascal has missed some time recently with a hamstring injury, but then Michael Wilson also showed up on the injury report recently with a shoulder injury, uh, which meant he was also out. So uh, Wilson has been the starter at outside wide receiver, opposite of Marquise Brown all season long, with Pascal being his backup whenever Wilson was off the field. Typically, it meant Pascal was on the field. But with both players out, that meant they were down two wide receivers in one of their wide receiver spots. Uh, So what we saw is instead of a traditional outside wide receiver taking over as that other outside receiver, we saw Rondale Moore and Greg Dortch kind of splitting time, both in 12 personnel and also in 11 personnel, where Moore still took the majority of the snaps in the slot, but Dortch also took significant time in the slot, moving more to the outside So this was a little bit different usage by these wide receivers, but it ended up working out. Um, Rondale Moore had a 48-yard catch early in the game. This was out of 12 personnel. So if Michael Wilson had been healthy for this game, it very well could have been Wilson scoring this touchdown. But uh, this was Moore's first receiving touchdown of the season. That 48 receiving yards on one catch was his most receiving yards in a game this season. So... Moore's been relatively disappointing so far this season, but having him have that nice big catch was good for him, but something we might not see a lot going forward, considering he's probably going back to the slot. And then, like you said, uh, Dorch led the team in receiving yards with 76 on six catches, so this was uh, a better game than we've seen than more at any point this year, including in this game. And we also saw this from Dortch last year at times where he was outperforming more whenever more was not healthy. So it's at least possible we start seeing more playing time out of him going forward, maybe more of a rotation between the two. Um, so something probably to avoid in fantasy purposes if there's going to be a rotation. And similarly, I don't know how long Michael Wilson might be out for or once he's back, if he's eased a little bit more into action. He's been one of my favorite uh, waiver wire targets recently because of how much uh, Kyler Murray likes throwing deep and Wilson is a deep threat at wide receiver. But it'll at least be interesting to see how snap shake up after Dorch had this good game, considering he's been barely playing throughout the season to this point.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Um all right. We mentioned uh, losing so many fantasy assets due to injury this week, but also getting some back. And and one of the returning fantasy assets this week at the tight end position was Pat Fryermuth of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Nate, quiet stat line for for Fryermuth in his first game back since Week Four. Um, he just gets the one target that he brought in for seven yards. So seven yards. So this was was this a case of him being eased in? Do you think, or as he gets kind of back into to game shape here?
0: Uh, yeah, definitely part of it was him getting eased into action. Um, early in the year, he was the primary tight end in 11 personnel, as well as 12 personnel, uh, not playing much, or uh, don't even know if they're using 21 personnel, but I know in past years when they were using more 21 personnel, he wasn't playing as much in run blocking situations. But uh, Darnell Washington, who saw significant playing time with Friar Muth out, Uh, He was the other one in 12 personnel, but in this game, he was rotating and 11 personnel a bit more than he was early in the season. Uh, Firemuth still saw the majority of snaps in 11 personnel, just not as high of a majority as we're used to seeing, which is why his playing time wasn't nearly as high in this game as it was for most of the games last year, but... He's someone that a lot of the time last year and to start this year, uh, he was off the field a lot in run situations, on the field a lot more in passing situations, and that has typically worked out for him for fantasy purposes, but uh, his target share wasn't very high in this game. Part of that is he was asked to stay and to block a lot, helping with Miles Garrett, which uh, didn't necessarily work. Garrett still had a fairly good game, but uh, he was still asked to block more than uh, run routes at times, so... I think that also contributed to him only having one catch. But part of this is also the Steelers offense just not clicking very much in general. So I think Friar Muth, if he starts seeing more targets going forward, he can go back to being a top 10 fantasy tight end. He just needs to see those targets and we haven't seen those at any point this season. So would expect his snaps to bounce back, would expect his routes to bounce back without having to block so much, but he needs to see those targets as well and he hasn't been seeing those to this point. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Last takeaway uh, from this week takes us to the New York Jets as a team and not necessarily a specific position, but it appears that Robert Sala and company want to give more run to some of their younger players. Um, Nate, what exactly did that look like here in week 11?
0: Yeah, there were reports both earlier in the week as well as before the game that they wanted to shift to start seeing some of these younger players play more on offense. Uh, We had seen it recently with Randall Cobb being a healthy and active the past few weeks, and then there was another sign earlier in the week when Michael Carter was released from the team, uh, signed with Arizona, but inactive for Arizona this week, I'm assuming just to give him that one week off, but Um, shifts at all three skill positions at running back. uh, We saw Bonaconda take over as the third running back. He kind of took over Dalvin Cook's spot as the primary backup on early downs while Cook shifted more to being a third down running back. So that was a little interesting to see and something we could see going forward since Cook saw plenty of playing time both as a runner and a As a receiver throughout his time with Minnesota. So he's definitely capable of being a third down back, but ideally, Brees Hall would be taking those snaps for fantasy football purposes. Uh, We also saw at wide receiver, uh, Xavier Gibson kind of took over for Alan Lazard as the top or as the number two wide receiver. Um, A lot of this was simply they stayed in 11 personnel almost the entire game. And lazard was rotated out of 11 personnel a lot more than usual uh, jason Brownlee was the one cutting into his playing time but even when they were taking those rare snaps out of 11 personnel it was more gibson than lazard so lazard saw a pretty sizable decrease in playing time um in most leagues he's already been dropped just based on his lack of production this season but if you've been waiting for an excuse to drop him uh now is probably the time after what they did this week And then we also saw a shift at tight end. Uh, They've had three tight ends throughout the season with Tyler Conklin at the top of the depth chart, uh, CJ Uzoma at second, and Jeremy Rucker at third. But this week, Rucker basically completely took over for Uzoma. Uzoma barely saw any playing time. Uh, Rucker uh, caught career-high three passes, 25 yards, so not a lot. But I think the most important thing for fantasy football purposes is we didn't see huge changes to the top three players that we care most about for fantasy Garrett Wilson still was on the field plenty saw plenty of targets just was not catching many passes uh Brees Hall's role was largely unchanged ideally we would have seen like I said that larger role with Michael Carter no longer on the roster if Paul was on the field more for third downs that would ideally lead to more targets but he still saw plenty of opportunities in this game just not a great game by the Jets offense in general. And then Tyler Conklin remained the top tight end for uh, New York, saw the majority of snaps, but still someone that you're probably not wanting to rely on because they have that rotation at tight end and Rucker could cut into Conklin's playing time eventually where I don't expect the younger younger players to cut into Wilson or playing time at any point, considering how young both of those players are and how good they are.
1: Yeah, no, that makes makes perfect sense. Um, All right, Nate, much appreciated. That is going to do it for our weekly recap. Um, Again, if there was something that you hoped we would cover from yesterday's games, but didn't, you could surely find it on pff.com in Nate's game by game write up. So go check those out now. Uh, Nate, before we go, what else do you have up on pff.com this week?
0: Yeah, like you mentioned, we have the recap, and this week I think was kind of a more interesting week than plenty of other weeks, some of them not relevant for most fantasy football leagues, but if you're in deeper leagues or dynasty leagues especially, there were some interesting situations that I covered there. Um, had the top 10 recap that we just covered, also have waivers article that is already out that we will be covering on the podcast tomorrow. Uh, Monday Night Football recap tonight, the big game between Kansas City and Philadelphia. So looking forward to that, and we'll be looking forward to it all day long. Um, No 5 to add, 5 to drop, 5 to buy low, 5 to sell high this week or the rest of the season because the trade deadline has passed in most leagues at this point. So no more buying low or selling high on players. But I will have the rest of season rankings that will be out tomorrow and then uh, normal rankings out the day after that and then starts it on Thursday
1: nice yeah looking forward to those and uh yeah thank you all again for for tuning in uh if you're watching on youtube uh, please don't forget to like and subscribe to the pff fantasy youtube channel that helps us uh, a ton as well and then also another massive shout out to the pff data collection team for crushing another week of, of football for us to get the best uh data that we have here in uh the football industry and the best data collection team in the multiverse of course but um yeah we'll be back tomorrow like nate said talking about the top waiver wire targets uh good Good luck with your Monday night football matchups tonight. Should be a good one. And until next time, peace out.